It's great to see you this morning and a happy new year to you all. I had this desire, you know, I've got this uh, new Fitbit, you know, and it, uh, it works. So I was thinking I better get started on time. So I'm already two to three minutes late. So um, I normally start five minutes late, which is uh, a normal time for us here. But you're very welcome. And it's lovely to have you this morning. And I want to read to you a psalm. And it's a psalm that I suppose you will, uh, you'll know very well. It's Psalm 139. Not going to read it all, of course. Uh, just the first six verses. Because really what it's saying is that God knows everything about us. And that he hems us in. And that can be scary, can't it? it that he knows everything about us that he hems us in, and yet the psalmist is not afraid. He's not afraid, and he's not afraid because he knows God loves him, and he knows that God wants the best for him, and what he has is tremendous security. And I think that's what we need in this vulnerable time and in this year. We need to know that God is there and that there are boundaries, that he is with us, and therefore we can live well within that boundary. It's not a matter of just doing nothing, but it's a matter of living. And we have something to show the world. And so the psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And I suppose it is my prayer that myself and that you as a congregation will know that loving security of God and that we will be able to live well within that boundary of his total care. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing uh, Lord for the Years. This is a beautiful hymn with fantastic words, and it is both praise and prayer. So let's stand to sing Lord for the Years. Well, in, in every way, that was a prayer, but let's continue in prayer as we uh, just talk to God now and as I lead you uh, in prayer. Father, it is such a privilege to be able to come and to uh, talk to you, and we know that you desire so much to hear from us, uh, and often... Uh, I'm sure you feel like we do as parents when our children uh, don't communicate with us and uh, they keep themselves to themselves. And uh, Father, all that we long is that they might share with us and talk with us. And that's what you're wanting from us. And in our service today, we'll be thinking a lot about prayer. And we'll be thinking about this call to prayer. And I ask, Father, I suppose for myself and for the congregation, that we might want to talk to you more. Father, so we pray for forgiveness, for prayerlessness. We pray 
Father, that you will forgive us when we keep ourselves to ourselves or we don't believe that you hear or we don't believe that you will do what we ask or uh, we don't really know how to pray. I, I just ask that you will help us to, to acknowledge where we're at with you. And again, that we'll see that in this communion, as I've already said this morning, that we see Jesus with his arms open. And we see the marks on his forehead and on his hands. And these are marks that tell us that he loves us and that he desires deeply that we might come. And so, Father, it is with great that you would put a desire within us that we might want to come, that we might want to tell you about our day, that we might come to you, I think, particularly when we feel that we have not done what we should do, when we feel convicted, when we have guilt, and that we won't be ashamed as Adam and Eve were, and that we won't run and hide, but that we will stand up and say, Lord, I know who I am. I know that I've sinned. I know that I need your forgiveness and that we might hear those words of forgiveness and that, Father, that you love to forgive and to help us to walk again and afresh. So, Father, if we're burdened by guilt this morning, we want to pray to you and ask that you would forgive us our sins. If we are thinking of things in the past that we've for asked forgiveness for, we pray that we'd leave them there and that we'll trust that you do forgive us and that, Father, that we're able to walk with you. So, Father, we pray that as we begin our service, as we um, come to you, that we'll, uh, Lord, be able to live in the security of what we've been already reading about in Psalm 139, that we will know that you hem us in before and behind, that you place your hand upon us, that we might feel even the weight of your hand on our heads now, that we might sense that glory, that weight of your holiness, and that, Father, that we will humble ourselves under you, and that, Father, that we listen carefully, that we'll walk obediently, and that, Father, that we will know what it is to be blessed as we live in covenant relationship with you. So, Father, this is a great opportunity at the beginning of the year uh, to renew in that sense our vows to you, to want to live for you, and, Father, to begin afresh. And so I pray that that will be true for each one of us, and that, Lord, that you would help us to do that well. So for everybody who will take part today, for all the activities, particularly with our young people, that you will be with their teachers and with them. It's good to see everybody back. And, Father, we pray that we will go forward with you, knowing how good a God you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, we're going to finish our series on James. As you know, we've been saying that. I've asked Anne to come and, pray and read this to us. I'm going to start at verse 7 of chapter 5. It's page 1216, I think. Um, James is saying a lot, really. He's, uh, he's, he's encouraging us at the end to be patient and to pray. And so we're going to read about the patience part first and then prayer that we'll look at today. Thanks, Sam. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring's rain. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. <coughs> Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. If any one of you is in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Amen. Thank you, Anne. Well, good to see you back, boys and girls. We're not going to have a children's address today because we have communion, but we're going to sing a song which I think has got a kind of children's feel to it, but it's fantastic because it says, did you ever talk to God above? Tell him that you need a friend to love. God answers prayer. So it's really saying that God answers prayer, and it's very much in the sense of Psalm 139, that God knows everything about us, and that he cares deeply for us and is able to do that. So we'll stand and sing, did you ever talk to God above? I hope that we do know this, don't we? I think we do. So let's stand to sing. Above that again, uh, not now, but uh, uh, that's a good song. So, boys and girls, you're free to go now for Sunday uh, special and K and K two. Yes, very good. Well, folks, we're going to just look at some of the announcements here. Um, if you have your order service, the white one, uh, then uh, we'll have a look through these. Well, a happy new year to you all. It is lovely to see you. I know that we have some Ulster rugby supporters here, so it's a poor day for them. Um, and uh, 
We have some Liverpool supporters, and it's a poor time for them as well. Um, uh, so there you go. But it is lovely to have you, and uh, you're very welcome. And uh, yeah, I hope that you had a good rest. I mean, wasn't the weather fantastic? Um, I have this new, this is my new present. It's a Fitbit, and I've been walking 10,000 steps every day since Christmas. And um, um, it's amazing how it has inspired me to do that. Um, so there you go. So good to have presents, good to have a new year, and good to have a new start. And uh, we look forward to all that God is going to do with us. So next Sunday, um, Kevin Hardigan is going to come and preach. Um, now Kevin is, is an elder in Lucan Church. Um, he's, a, he's a very able academic. Uh, he's working for the Jesuits uh, as their theologian. Uh, though he's in training to be a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he's just finished a PhD uh, on the financial crash in Ireland, looking at it from a theological and ethical point of view, and has just published a book, uh, which I've just finished reading. It is the kind of book that has more footnotes than text, um, but it's excellent, and it is a fantastic insight into the crash and obviously coming from a Reformed point of view as well. So Kevin's going to come. He has three Sundays to do with us as part of an accredited preacher uh, uh, thing, um, um, and he's really in this idea of, of should he become uh, a Presbyterian minister or stay where he is and follow an academic career. So let's pray for Kevin. His wife is called Claire, and she is uh, working in Mountjoy Prison as a prison chaplain. And they've just had a baby son called Eamon, uh, born, uh, interestingly enough, for Kevin on the 12th of July. Um, so, um, yeah, just a super guy and someone whom I hope that we will, he's different to us, and I'm hoping that when he comes that we will listen carefully and that we will welcome him and be encouraged by him. We have prayer ministry at the front, of course, as, well, we used to have a table there. I'm sure it can appear, and uh, we'll meet here if you have anything that you would like to be prayed for. Um, we'll continue the World Development Appeal. If you do have your envelopes uh, or you want to give to that, really today is the last time we'll finish that, and we're giving uh, for the work of, uh, in Brazil, looking at gender-based violence. You'll see that we have a family breakfast. This has become a really big uh, thing for us and uh, a great way to start the year uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so the Welcome Committee are working in that. And I really would encourage you to try and come early at 9.30 so that you can enjoy breakfast. SALT Project begins this Saturday, you'll see there on the 12th of January. And we want to continue to pray for Denise, <coughs> Ronan and Katie um, as they take on that work. Denise hasn't been very well and we want to continue to pray for her as well. Um, many of you will know that Annie has been unwell, and we'll pray for Annie later on. Uh, she remains quite sick in hospital and has been in for nearly five weeks. Um, and so we're meeting to discuss whether the, com uh, the cafe should continue. We think that it will, but we will make that decision and let you know uh, next week. Um, and do keep Annie in your prayers. Um, because she is not making a great deal of progress at the moment, and she needs your prayers. So a free will offering, if you want to uh, continue to do that, then uh, speak to Stuart, or if you haven't started, then you can speak to him as well, 
and there are some calendars left over as well there. You'll see as well you were given this purple sheet. Um, I'm going to start looking at 1 Corinthians in the new term. Um, I've written quite a long letter in the, in the inside there uh, so that you can think about uh, why we're doing that and uh, you know that we've had many challenges and uh, we, we need to just think about these things and I'm hoping that 1 Corinthians, which I'm sure it will, uh, will guide us as we think about these issues that we've had to face. So I think those are all the announcements. Uh, we did meet this morning to pray uh, for Annie, and we were looking at uh, Hebrews chapter 4, um, where it talks about this amazing throne of grace, and that we can come there to find help in our times of need. So we're going to stand and sing now, Lord, I come before your throne of grace. Well, folks, if you have your Bibles, do open them at James chapter 5. Um, I just want to read to you a verse that I suppose, uh, I hope that you will take home with you. Um, and it is in 16b, and it says, the prayer of a righteous, says man here, but of course we can say person. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I had a bit of an introduction, but I'm going to ask Rachel to come, and I'm going to ask Rachel just to testify about how God has answered prayer in her life recently. Good morning, and Happy New Year. Well, I would just like to thank Sam. Um, and please, if I get emotional, please don't worry about that. I have been lately. But um, I am just so thankful uh, that I found Adelaide Road Church, a Presbyterian church because um, the elders, the prayer ministry, and Sam especially, um, has been praying for me because it's been so hard for me um, in work. I have been working there for eight years, and of late, there have been issues, but not as serious as it was come September 2018. And um, I, I went off sick for three weeks. I didn't go to work. And it was so hard for me to go back to work. And my GP said, Rachel, you have to go back. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe I should just stay home and maybe look for something else. But deep down, I knew God gave me that work. God gave me my job. And I said that to Sam. And I said, no. And for some reason, I was trying to do this all by myself and everything. And I remember the day I had to go back to work. The Sunday I was here and Sam was preaching about the tongue, how you have to listen more than you speak and all of that. And I remember going to the prayer ministry that day and asked 
Anne and Ray to pray for me because I'm going back to work. I don't know what is there. I, don't, I was so nervous and anxious. And I went back and they prayed for me for strength, for wisdom. And I went back into work. And when I went back, that day, I remember I was so nervous driving and I was just singing. I have this song that says, God, you know me. And I was just singing this in my car as I was driving to work. And I just said, please, God, you know everything. I can't fight these people. You know what is happening to me. Please, God, be with me. And it was amazing when I got into work, even though I was so nervous, I got there and the children were running to me, Rachel, Rachel, we missed you. And the parents were saying, oh, Rachel, we missed you. Where have you been? And I said to myself, thank you, God, because I work with children. And the reason I work with children is because I love children. And I said, God, why am I anxious? Why am I nervous? Look at these children. They love me. So I just said to myself, I will be fine. But things got worse. But God gave me the strength to go back. And I did my work like Ray and Anne said, with grace. But things got worse. And I remember one day Sam called me. And I was just, I was so angry that day. And for some reason, Sam called. I can't even remember why Sam called that day. And I could, I know Sam told me later, Rachel, when I explained everything to Sam, Sam said, Rachel, I could sense the anger in you when you spoke. And I said, Sam, things are not right. I remember calling Sam another time, and I said, Sam, I am going to take legal action. And Sam said, oh, no, Rachel, no. We are going to pray. And so Sam arranged for some elders, and we met in Sam's house. And I tell you, that was on the 11th of November. And that Sunday, Sam said, we have to have a purpose. So what are we praying for? And I said to Sam, I can't find my USB stick. I can't find my fob to get into work. And I said to Sam, accusations, like I had false accusations. And the management, everything, it's so, what was happening, everything was so wrong. And I said, Sam, everything is so wrong. And Sam said, okay, we are going to pray for this fob and this stick, and we are going to pray for the management. We are going to pray for things to change. And we prayed. And I can tell you, two days after that, I found my fob and my stick. And like I said, oh my God, thank you. Although, in my heart, where I thought my stick and my fob were, that wasn't where I found them. I found my stick and my fob in Jane's bag. For some reason, I don't know how it got into Jane's bag, but Jane left that bag for a week. That bag has been in Jane's locker in school. And that Monday, Jane came back, 
And on Tuesday, I was preparing their lunches and stuff, and I got there, and I found that, and I said, oh, Lord, you know. But the main issue about prayer is my work. What has been going on in my work has been going on for so many years, like for 30 years, because some of the members, they have been there on the board for 30 years. And everything about the management was so wrong. And I think God knew that the time has come to change things. And on the 12th of December, the chairperson of the board resigned. And everything about the board is changing. So I just want to say, our God is faithful. And our God listens. He listens to prayers. And if you pray, if you passionately pray to God and ask him for something, he will provide. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel. Well, folks, if you have your Bibles, let's look at this together if we can. And uh, we've got new presents here, so I have a new thing. I'm hoping it'll work well. Oh, look at that. Isn't that great? It's come up so powerfully. There we go. So here we go. First uh, point is uh, pray in all of life. Folks, I, I mean, I really don't need to say anything, and I want to say thank you to Rachel. Um, I think this was a particularly good God moment. Um, I, I think that God was very clear about what we had to do, uh, and the way that he has answered prayer has been just amazing. Um, and uh, I, I do want to pay testimony to his faithfulness in, in all of this. So it's important, isn't it, we look at God's word, and, and if you look at verse 13, uh, you'll see that really what he's saying here is that we're to pray in all of life. That goes back to the original message, by the way, in chapter 1 and verse 2 and 5, about perseverance and prayer. It's, it's all through James's letter. And God invites us to come to him and share with him all that's going on in our lives. And we do that because he is our father. And there's a recognition, isn't there, there that life is both good and bad. If anyone is in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. So life is not all negative, and life is not all positive. But in both, we are to come in appropriate ways, in prayer and in praise. And not only is he, is he your father, but he is sovereign and powerful, and he's working out his plan for our good. And, and I suppose what, what Rachel has shown me, and I've just thought about this again, is that Rachel is right. The board of her work is changing. And he has used her for that purpose and the prayers of God's people. That's not the purpose that we prayed for. But it's much better for everybody. And it's better for the children. And it's better for the management. Because God has a good plan. And sometimes the difficulties... Are, we can't see that plan. And that's where faith is needed as well. 
And of course, when it's difficult, uh, Jesus, of course, in Gethsemane, uh, we read there that he prayed more earnestly. Um, and obviously, uh, he spoke to his father honestly, uh, with conviction and with dependence. And there's, you know, we can look at that in, in more detail if you would want to at some stage. But folks, if we're going to do this, if we're going to praise, if we're going to pray in all of life, then we need to make time for it. We need to make time in our lives to be with the Lord. We need quiet times in the morning. We need to take the times that the church gives us to pray, whether on a Sunday morning or in the prayer ministry or in the corporate times of prayer or in your home group or wherever. We need to ask our elders to pray for us. We need to just take those times of prayer. And I really want to say to you, I suppose, in this first point, we need to pray in all of life. And then secondly, we want to... Um, this is working well. Uh, pray for the sick person. I want to read these verses to you because I want you to hear them, um, because they, they do tend to make me nervous. And, um, but I'll read them first. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he has sinned. He will be forgiven. Now, these verses are not easy, and I am not going to give you answers to these, I think. Um, so some of the questions, should we be doing this more? What is the place of medicine? What place sin and sickness? Always made well? If not, why not? Is it their lack of faith? Anointing with oil? And I have no time to go into all of these. And I actually, folks, have to say to you, I don't really know all the answers to these things. I think one of the things that we tend to do in this as preachers is that we tend to want to make the sick person spiritually sick and not physically sick. And I don't think this text allows us to do that. The word used is a satheno, and that really means physical weakness and is always used in that way in the New Testament. But there's some of the simple things here. They should call the elders. Um, this ministry is carried out by the elders. It's not carried out by the minister. It's not about having a gift of healing. It's not about using medicine. And it's not what the Roman Catholic Church have made it, the act of extreme unction. It is simply a sick person calling the elders to pray for healing. The sick person is alert, probably quite sick in that they cannot get to the elders, and the elders come to them. The sick person does not pray, the elders do the praying, and the elders anoint with oil. Now, there's a lot of, I've done a lot of reading around this, um, but the conclusion is that the oil is not medicinal, I think, but it is a pastoral sign of God's prayer presence and healing. And I think in a very real way, it's a sign that God has set this person aside for this ministry of prayer. It does not happen in public, and there is no need for others to know that it is happening. There is, of course, a promise of effectiveness. 
the sick person will get well. And I suppose that is the reality that we struggle with, isn't it? Because we think, well, we have prayed for sickness, and it hasn't got better. I have prayed very specifically for Annie that the infection that she has would go away. I have been praying for that for five weeks, and it hasn't happened. And she remains as ill as she was five weeks ago. Why? I don't know. You see, the temptation is that when we don't see people getting cured, that is why we make this person a spiritually sick person. And there are reasons that we might do that because of the word sozo, save. And in fact, Calvin's explanation was to say that this was for Jesus and the apostles only. And I am reluctant to follow that path. However, I do want to mention in this verse the connection with sin. If while we are sick, God makes us aware of sin, either specific or general, then we need to confess it. We may in our sickness just be aware of sin generally, and in having to stop, we're caused to reflect on that. And related to that, we may be aware that our commitment to God has been half-hearted, that we've been double-minded. James is very clear that that is something that, he, that we shouldn't be. He's been saying that all through his letter to us. And so sometimes a period of sickness just causes us to stop. And we see that we've been sinful, either specifically, rarely, or maybe generally, rarely. But we sometimes are aware of that. And in all of this, I want to say to you that God's purpose is good and loving and gracious. And if we are aware of such sin, you see that at the end of verse um, 15 there, the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. If. It's not definite. It's not saying you have sinned. If you are sick, it does not say that you have sinned. But if you are aware of that in your sickness, then call the elders. That's what I think it's saying. Because that is really you're saying, look, I am aware of this in my own life. It's private between you and the elders. And I want to confess it. And as you confess it, then the promise is that you will be raised up. And I think that's a good outworking of what this may or may not be about. Folks, there are lots of questions here. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I do want to just encourage you that if, if you are sick in a manner that has been described, then by all means call the elders to pray for you. And at the end, I will sum this up because that will mean that we as elders need to think about this as well. Then you see that in the next part, we are to pray for our church family in verses 16a. I'm just going to take 16a as this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, James does now appear to switch his attention to the relationships between each other in the church family. He's been speaking to individuals in verse 13. He's been speaking to the sick and elders in verse 14 and 15. And here he focuses on the church. 
If we are aware of sickness physically in the church and of relationships which are broken, James encourages confession of our sins to each other. That is between those affected, not in the public sense. Because what is important for a church to function well is for it to be healthy. Now, folks, this is extremely difficult for everybody. Usually we find it hard to admit that we have sinned against another. And for some, it's maybe not too difficult, but for many of us, it's almost the most impossible thing to do. And it may be for all sorts of reasons. Maybe you um, have felt this for a long time. Maybe you're afraid of being hurt again. Maybe you have a fear. But James is encouraging us, I think, to confess our sins to one another. And if we're to follow through on James's call to confess to one another, then we must recognize that sin and have a spirit of repentance. And we need to desire reconciliation. And we need to take steps to work towards that in, in, one of the, in, in whatever ways we can do that. And perhaps one of those ways is simply just meeting to pray together. And when we begin to pray to one, for one another, then the barriers often melt away and the grievances and hurts are left behind. Folks, as many of you know, 2018 was a difficult year for the PCI. And it was a difficult year, I believe, for ARPC as well. I've written something of that in my letter to you in the purple um, preaching schedule. There has been much talking about different issues. And I believe that that has been a good thing to do, to bring it out into the open. And your elders are thinking about these issues and discussing them. But I suppose what I want to ask of myself and of you is that we would recognize the need to be humble, that we would recognize our tendency to sinfulness, and that we would rather than, I suppose, fight our corner in one sense, that we would pray for one another, that we would confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, even when we disagree, that we'd seek each other out, that we would talk, and that therefore that we might pray for one another. And when we do that, then I think we can move forward, even if we continue to disagree. You see, James loves the church. He is the pastor who is deeply concerned for the church. And that is what he's calling them to do. They might confess their sin to one another, say, look, I was angry, I was annoyed, um, I don't agree with you in that, but can we talk about it, can we pray about it? That, I think, is what he's asking us to do in 2019. And lastly, we pray as Elijah in verses 16 to 18. Again, let me just read that to you. And I suppose if you forget everything, I do want you to take home with you the idea that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. Hear that. He was just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed that the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So verse 16b anticipates the example of Elijah. 
And we can say with confidence that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've been saying that to myself, actually, for the last three or four months. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore, it is speaking to every Christian believer. It is not speaking to me as the minister just. It's not speaking to the elders. It's not speaking to one who is seen to be some super elite Christian. Because Elijah, verse 17 was just like you and me. You might say, no, he wasn't, but the Bible says he was. I don't have time to recap his whole life, but you can follow that up if you want by reading 1 Kings chapter 17 to 19, and many of you will know the Bible stories. Elijah was often brave, more so than we would probably see ourselves as brave, but he was also so scared so scared that he ran away uh, from Jezebel. He was often strong and powerful. And we think we could never be like that. But he was deeply depressed. And he wanted to kill himself and to just be taken away from this earth. And so he was, as every believer as well, he was righteous. He's a righteous man. And he's righteous not because of the things that he did, of course. He's righteous because of the righteousness that had been given to him, ultimately by Jesus Christ. And you are every bit as righteous as him, because you're righteous because of what Christ has done for you. And he prayed earnestly, it says. And if you look at that, it isn't some super intense spiritual way of praying We have just been praying for Annie, and we prayed with tears because we miss her. But it's not even talking about that because it's the act of praying that matters, not the intensity. Literally, it means he prayed with prayer. And it's effective, of course, because when he prayed, In verse 15, he believed that God would do what was good. God hears, God is love, he will do whatever is in his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's why I've always remembered in Luke 18, when Jesus tells the the parable of the persistent widow, how does it finish? It finishes by saying, however, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? So prayer and faith go together. I suppose the difficult part for us is the idea that when he prayed, he received supernatural results. He controlled the rainfall on a nation for three and a half years. And that wasn't the only time, of course, if you remember, the widow of Zarephath's son came back to life The oil and the flour in her jars did not run out. And of course, we know that on Mount Carmel, fire came from heaven and soaked up the water and consumed the sacrifice and even split the stones on the sacrifice there. All in the simple prayers of Elijah. When you read his prayers, they're very simple. Should we expect the same? And I'm going to say no. Because what we do 
is that we trust this God who can do these things and has done even greater things in raising Jesus. And that is why we pray. We pray simply with faith, trusting that our good and supernatural God will do amazing things. I did not believe that God would cause changes in the board in Rachel's work. It hadn't even entered my head. But when it happened, I knew that God had done it. And only God had done it. And that's the reality. We are to pray. And we are to believe that this supernatural God is in our side and working for us. So how does the prayer, how does prayer mark the life of Adelaide Road? How can we practically take the instruction James gives us for, to, and own it for ourselves? Folks, I, I, I want to say to you, I know that you believe in prayer. We do meet for prayer. We cover our work in prayer. And yet I want to say that I know that all of us struggle in prayer. We don't see many supernatural answers to prayer. We don't even see our situations change quickly. Or at least we're not reporting these. And I think it's a good thing to do what Rachel did in the church. And if you have something that you would want to share with us, then feel free to come and talk to me or one of the elders about that. But I'm just going to leave you with these instructions again. Individuals. Involve God in every aspect of your lives and make time to pray using practical means. Books, notebooks, prayer letters, whatever you need. Elders, as the spiritual leaders, should we not be praying regularly together for this church and its life? Do we need to make time to do that? What will be our response in 2009 to the difficulties that we've experienced in PCI and in our own church? Will we consider a ministry for the sick? And how will we do that? And for the church? Will we make prayer for each other a priority? Especially conscious of where relationships are frayed, hostile, or broken, will we endeavor to pray for one another? Will we see each other as brothers and sisters and not seek to criticize but to pray, confessing our sins to one another? And we have the promise that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, as we bow our heads before you and we feel the weight of your hand on our heads, we know that we've been hemmed in before and behind and that there's nowhere to escape. And Father, we acknowledge before you that we are a sinful people, that we are a people who are broken, that many of us are sick, that, Father, that we struggle, 
with each other, with the direction of the church, with the way that things are done. And yet, Father, we are a people who you love. And we continue to see answers to prayer. And we continue to have your spirit with us as we worship together. And Father, there is no doubt in my mind that you are calling us through James to patience and perseverance and to faith and to prayer. And Father, I pray that you will take us as a people, that you will humble us. And as James says, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And Father, so we need that grace. And I pray that you will help us to live in light of what your word has taught us today. And that, Father, that we will enjoy taking time to simply talk to our Father about all the issues in our lives, both good and bad. And that, Father, that we will follow his instruction to the praise and glory of his name. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's worship God as we give our offering to him now. I should have told the band that I want you to do the, the song when I survey later. Is that okay? You're just going to sing now. Okay, that's great. Let's worship God as we give our offering. I cast my... Folks, if you have your Bibles, do keep them open as I prepare for communion. And after I've done this, we'll go straight into the communion. Because I do want to finish off James by looking at verses 19 and 20. I'm going to read it first and then just a short reflection, and then we'll take our communion. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So when we consider the communion and acknowledge that the bread and the wine are symbols that speak to us of Jesus' death as a sacrifice so that we might experience forgiveness of sins, then we can begin to appreciate the enormity of what Jesus has done for us and of his love for us. There are different ways of contemplating what Jesus did for us in the Bible, different words like atonement redemption and substitution and rescue. Brilliant words, brilliant theological concepts. And this was Jesus' ministry and purpose of his life because he loved us and he desired deeply that none should perish and that none should suffer eternal death. And James finishes his letter, doesn't he, with a mandate given to every single one of us that we should similarly seek the lost and bring them back from their error, their wandering from the, tr tr the truth. Folks, this is not about evangelism. Because again, he says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth. This is someone who belongs to the church. But by their practice of their life, they show that they have wandered from the truth. 
And we, I think, because we're Irish, and we, because we often do this in Adelaide Road, we don't often want to confront them. We don't feel we have the right. We don't want to tell them that that doesn't sit with what the Bible says. But James tells us that we should. And Jesus has showed us that we should. He's calling each of us to action, to pray for and to be patient with each other, to wrestle with, to persuade those who have wandered from the truth of the gospel that they're not living credibly. In this, we, we follow the example of our Savior in his dealings with the disciples. They were often slow to learn. They were often fickle. They were sometimes stubborn. But he patiently, gently, skillfully, and prayerfully sought to save them from their sin and keep them in the truth. So we should never confirm anyone in error. We should always try to speak when wrong is clear. And we should be careful not to withdraw and leave the person to wander away from the truth. That is the responsibility of each of us. That is all our responsibility. We are not responsible for how they respond or what happens in their heart. We are just responsible for telling them what the truth is. And so this morning we rejoice in all that Jesus has done for us. He loved us. He sought us out. He brought us the truth. He saved us from sin and eternal death, and his action saved us. And so this communion is for all sinners, and it is a visual demonstration of welcome, of invitation, and of a call to repent and believe afresh even for the very first time. And so I'm going to ask us to stand now and sing um, our next hymn. And that's our response to the word of God. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. So this is our response to communion. This is our beginning, uh, this idea of taking communion just now. So let's all stand and sing. Morning. In that spiritual sense, we pray that we will have the confidence of the gospel as we leave shortly. Father, I want to pray in a corporate way for Annie this morning, for everyone who knows her. Um, uh, we, we, we know how valuable she is in so many different ways to us, how we love her, how we miss her. Uh, Father, we are just uh, thinking of all the things that she does, and Father, we're going to have to find people to do it, and Lord, we realize how deeply she is a servant of Christ. For those who don't know her, she is our, an elder who serves this church and has done faithfully for a long time. And Father, you know that we're saddened because she is missing from us, that she's not able to be with us because of sickness. You know that we have been praying that she might get better, and yet that has not yet happened. And so we pray again, Father, that you will take away this infection within her bile, and that, Father, that you will uh, help her bile to work, and that, Father, that you will, Lord, be with the surgeons and the medics and the nurses 
in the decisions that they have to make. Father, but we thank you that she is a woman of faith and that she has a peace that appears to pass understanding and that she has a confidence and that she has maintained a strength of character in all of this. We pray for her brother, James, and for her niece, Laura, in their loss of a mother and a wife and Annie of a sister-in-law. And Father, we pray for others whom we know who are sick. We pray for Tom Edge today who fell and fractured his leg and is in hospital. And Father, for others that we know, we simply mention them before you and pray for your good and healing hand on their life. And so, Father, we pray that as we begin this year, we know that you have met with us, that you desire as a father that we might walk as your children. And we pray that we will do that to your praise and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to finish our service by singing um, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So let's stand to sing. Well, let's bless each other with the words of the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Please be seated. Um, well, what would I do without Tommy whispering in my ear uh, about all the things? Firstly, he wants to meet with a welcome committee. Uh, after, immediately after the service, just around the, the sound desk there. He has reminded me that Ezekiel and Anna are in church this morning. And uh, we were wondering what was keeping Anna on Christmas Day because she was meant to be doing our Brussels sprouts. And uh, she was late. But when she came in, we couldn't give off to her because she said, I've just got engaged. So Ezekiel, we were always wondering what took you so long, um, but it is, sorry? <laughs> so just congratulations, and we do wish you God's richest blessing, and uh, I hear that you're making plans for a wedding in the summertime, so may God bless you in that. I know it's some people's birthdays as well. I don't know if we want to do birthdays. Do we want to do any birthdays? Special birthday to Karen. This week as well. Okay. So, Karen, happy birthday. Will we sing happy birthday to you? No, you don't want us to sing happy birthday. Well, you can say happy birthday to Karen later on. It is a special birthday, and we wish her very well. So, good uh, as well. So, I think there's tea and coffee downstairs. You're very welcome to stay. God bless.